listening to BuddhistGeeks.com. March 12, 2007. Episode 10, Where the Rubber Meets the Road, Fleet Mall on Plunge Experiences. In this episode, Gwen Bell interviews Buddhist teacher Fleet Mall. Fleet recently spent a month on retreat with Roshi Bernie Glassman in the Zen Peacemaker Society in Massachusetts, where he became a fully ordained Zen priest. Fleet teaches at Naropa University and leads weekly meditation sessions there. His teachings are accessible to a wide audience, and his authenticity is a breath of fresh air in the world of Buddhist teachers. In this podcast, Fleet shares his practice background and discusses the value of plunge experiences. This is part one of a two-part series. This podcast is sponsored by the Peacemaker Institute. Please visit peacemakerinstitute.org to learn how you can get involved in ongoing trainings with engaged Buddhist teacher Sensei Fleet Mall. The next intensive three-day training is March 29th through April 1st, and Buddhist Geek listeners who mention this ad will receive a $50 discount. Take your practice beyond the cushion by learning the tools of skillful means that will allow you to engage in social change work in a sustainable way. Peacemakerinstitute.org Maybe if you could tell us a little bit, first of all, about uh, your particular brand of practice. Well, I practice in two traditions. Um, My primary practice lineage is Tibetan Buddhist, in particular the Kagyu and Yingma lineages and uh, and uh, the Shambhala tradition, all of which kind of under the umbrella of the Shambhala Buddhist community. Um, and uh, uh, I'm a, my primary teacher is Chogyam Trungpa Rinpoche, and uh, and at the same time, I've been studying with Bernie Glassman, a Zen teacher in the Soto Zen lineage for uh, I don't know about 12 years now. So. I'm kind of a uh, have kind of a mixed thing going on, but the ground of both those uh, traditions is taming and training the mind with basic shamatha vipassana or zazen, basic sitting meditation practice. It's foundational to both of those, and they both, in terms of their view, share a very strong uh, and um, integration of both relative and non-dual understandings about the nature of mind and nature of reality, um, both articulated in very sophisticated ways in both those traditions. So, so they're very compatible in many ways. Even though the style of practice, especially when you get into the Vajrayana part of the Tibetan Buddhist path and the inner yoga practices and the, the deity yoga practices, is quite different than. Than Zen practice, but the, the foundational practices and the view of both is very similar, and um, and they both uh, also, at least personally for me, integrate rather seamlessly with the engaged work that I do. Um, the view of both, in fact, in a lot of the teaching that I do around socially engaged Buddhism and engaged spirituality, I often uh, ground my approach to trying to articulate that in um, the Shambhal teachings um, presented by Chogyam Trungpa around uh, his view of create, for creating an enlightened society and then the uh, the three tenets of the uh, peacemaker community 
And I think they come together pretty well in terms of an overall view with kind of a um, uh, a ground path and fruition of, of an approach to engage spirituality. So that's the background. Mm-hmm. Plunge experiences. Can we talk about those? Mm-hmm. Um, if maybe you could elaborate on mm-hmm. what a plunge experience is, how we learn when we have a plunge experience, mm-hmm. what kinds of things we learn. Yeah. Bernie Glassman developed the idea of, of doing these plunge experiences, at least a particular version of it. I think all the world's spiritual traditions have always tried to come up with various kinds of plunge experiences, something that would either gradually or or more suddenly and more forcefully shift us out of our conditioning, out of conditioned mind, into some um, fresh, open experience and perception of reality or what is. And particularly in the peacemaker community, um, um, Bernie Glassman developed a street retreat as a plunge experience, taking uh, small groups of people out on the streets to live as if you were homeless without any money on the streets for three or four or five days. Um, The idea that this pretty quickly plunges one into what Bernie Glassman calls not knowing. Uh, In other words, um, being free of of conditioned mind, and uh, and in my experience, it's quite true that uh, and and it's continued to even though I've been on quite a few street retreats, led quite a few street retreats. Each one um, is always completely new territory for me, and even though I'm pretty familiar with the experience, um, once I'm out there for a day and a half, two days, I find myself you know in that kind of groundless space. And you never know what's going to happen on the streets. You know, it's always we do street retreats in major urban areas, big cities like New York, Los Angeles, Denver, San Francisco. I recently did one in Austin, Texas. Um, others have, have led them in different places around the world, and but they're big cities usually, and uh, so being on the streets is pretty dicey, especially at night uh, and all night because we don't go into the shelters. So you never know what's going to happen out there. And this idea of of trying to sort of uh, dislodge our focus and our um, almost addictive relationship to conditioned mind to try to dislodge that so that we can actually have some kind of fresh experience beyond our projections, to actually experience actual other rather than our projections on other, and and see things nakedly as they are and and then be impacted by that to actually allow that in to be impacted by that I think has really been what all spiritual technologies if you will throughout time have always tried to create and the idea of the plunge is to do that more quickly and um, you know the any kind of intensive retreat experience is a plunge the session in the Zen tradition um, Bernie and I guess in his own personal experience and felt that once you've done a couple of sessions that becomes fairly familiar territory and although it's certainly a profound practice he's not sure if it always had that same plunge quality uh, and even a session it generally it can take quite a while uh, uh, into that retreat uh, before you really kind of are in that plunge experience um, and the streets does it very quickly you're out there for a couple of days and you just find yourself in this rather naked raw place another 
one that the peacemaker community has developed is the retreat at Auschwitz Beer Canal. The motivation for that wasn't really to create a plunge experience. The motivation was to bring healing to that place and to the many beings who suffered and died there. Um, but the retreat is an incredibly powerful plunge experience because there's um, we spend a whole week in, in the camps at Auschwitz Beer Canal and, and there's no way to wrap your mind and heart around that place. There's just... And so if you're able to stay and not if physically stay, not run away, and if you're able to emotionally, mentally, spiritually not run away into some kind of philosophy or denial or somewhere, you know, if you're willing to actually stay there with the and being confronted with the reality of that place, it, it very powerfully throws you outside of anything you've been able to grapple with before. Is there a danger of becoming addicted to the plunge experience? Like, I like suppose. you might be addicted to drugs. Like. I suppose so. I, I'm, I'm in, I think it would be a relatively positive addiction in some ways. I suppose it could be dangerous. I mean, you know, there's there were those ideas in the addictions recovery movement about shifting from negative addictions to positive addictions. I think, you know, most of the spiritual paths talk about moving beyond addiction altogether. But maybe uh, as an interim step, having positive addictions is better than having more destructive ones. Mm-hmm. I don't know. For me, you know, it... Uh, you know, I'm probably as much of a plunge junkie as, as anybody I know, but it's not like I'm running out chasing down my next plunge every minute. But I I do have a, a really strong attraction to that kind of practice. Um, you know, clearly my time in prison, spending 14 years in a maximum security prison, was quite a plunge. And, and I think, and also a very seminal time in my life in terms of the development of my practice and of my spiritual, emotional maturation as a human being. And so I, I think I I have a strong attraction to that kind of work. For me, it just it feels like it 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 uh it continually gives me a reality check. You know, it in when I'm on the streets and when I'm at Auschwitz, uh and I'm sure it would also when I was in prison doing hospice work, when um around a lot of death, doing doing end-of-life care, um, which I think is another plunge of sorts. Um, I'm immediately, immediately and continually aware of whether my heart is open or not, to what extent it's open or not. And it's really clear, like when I'm on the streets, you're just confronted with so much. I can just feel every, each moment my heart either opening towards people on the streets or shutting down and being defended. And... You know, and fortunately, I'm in a place where when I'm aware of that, my heart shutting down, uh, it's quite painful to feel that. And it's actually quite joyous and a relief to feel when my heart's opening, even when it's opening to things that are very painful and difficult. When I'm not um, on the streets or at Auschwitz or someplace, you know, uh, I'm not as acutely aware of that. And, And I can probably slip into defendedness various states of mind and emotional states that have some defended quality to them without being aware of the pain of that constriction around the heart. And so it's very helpful for me to get out on the street several times a year and go to Auschwitz every year because it's kind of for me where the rubber meets the road. I mean, I can have all kinds of ideas in my head about my own spiritual practice and my own level of spiritual maturation or or whatever. Uh, But when I get out on the streets, I see the reality of where I'm really at, you know, 
and and uh, when do I become focused on my own needs and start becoming defended and self-focused and when am I actually able to open and and I really appreciate that of being getting that seeing that so clearly I mean in some ways when my teacher was alive Chogyam Trungpa was such an amazing powerful teacher that the space around him kind of did that I knew when I was around him um, right where I was at and I knew that he could see that you know, I mean, you just felt completely naked around him, and it was your your own state of mind, and which is mirrored to you so perfectly, which could be excruciatingly painful at times to see that, and and then similarly when I was in prison because that was such an intense environment that I was either, at, at any given time I was either in some kind of relaxed place around it or I was reactive to it. And I was immediately aware of that all the time because the environment was so in your face all the time. So that operated as a mirror. And in the same in some way these in the same way these plunge experiences do that. But when I'm now not in prison and in my ordinary life and uh, with all the distractions and so forth of ordinary life and I'm not in those plunge experiences, it's much easier to slip into a place where I'm not getting that kind of immediate feedback. And so I, I if I'm if there's any sense of being addicted to that, it's it's it's. I think it's more like for me. It's more than an. There there may be a little bit of a quality of kind of of addiction or being a plunge junkie, but I think it's more like a longing. It's a deep longing to be in that space of wakefulness, uh, which it really is. This has been a presentation of BuddhistGeeks.com. Copyright 2007. Music in this podcast provided by C for Chaos. For more great music and writing, visit his blog at www.seeforchaos.com. Join us for the fourth annual Buddhist Geeks Conference hosted in partnership with Mindful Cyborgs and Shambhala Sun from October 16th through the 19th in beautiful Boulder, Colorado. This year's conference will be exploring the convergence of Buddhism with modern culture and technology through informative keynote presentations, idea-packed TED-style talks, self-organizing community dialogues, and contemplative workshops and practice periods. This year's list of presenters includes the world's most quantified man, Chris Dancy, abbot of the village Zendo in New York City, Roshi Pat Enkyo O'Hara, and pragmatic Dharma provocateur, Daniel Ingram, as well as many others. For more information and to register, visit BuddhistGeeks.com conference. After nearly a year in private beta, the Buddhist Geeks Network is now open for any independent practitioners who want to engage in interdependent practice. You can find out more about the Buddhist Geeks Network by visiting BuddhistGeeks.network. And if you'd like to join the community and join us in regular social meditation practice or other events that we host there in the network, all freely offered, you're very welcome to do so, again, by visiting BuddhistGeeks.network. Love to see you there.